You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Be it superstition or just an apparition, you suddenly appear inside my heart. Does this strange romance and ghost of a chance? Welcome to From the Bleachers. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy, coming to you from the wonderful Bleeding Green Nation Radio Podcast Network. Now I am certainly, certainly in a better mood than I was the last time we spoke. Eagles win. It wasn't pretty. Carson Wentz didn't play fantastic. Played with a lot of heart. Threw some ducks. But the Eagles got the win. I don't know what's going to happen Sunday. We'll get into that next week's podcast. I I got a show planned for us today. Well, let's see how we feel about the team next week. Happy with Jordan Maylotta. Happy with Jannard Avery coming on. That dude's got some juice. Josh Sweat, maybe my newest favorite eagle on the team. That defensive line is fierce. Malik Jackson, we were missing him all last year with the way he's played through the first quarter of the season. Yeah, he was a big free agent signing last year. Missed essentially the entire season after that injury in week one at home against Washington. But right now, that guy's looking like you know, exactly, exactly what the Eagles signed him to be last offseason. couple housekeeping notes. You know, I'm a big housekeeping guy. Again, Seamus Clancy. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Seamus underscore Clancy. You can check out my Philadelphia sports newsletter on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Seamus underscore Clancy. And right now I'm, t- I'm sipping on a fantastic Two Robbers Seltzer, Two Robbers Craft Hard Seltzer. Made right here, Philadelphia Company. What could you love more than that? Have a nice pineapple and ginger one. I'm a big seltzer guy. Maybe my favorite seltzer out there. But because of that, you should follow at Bleeding Green Insta on at Instagram. That's the BGN Instagram that I run. Tons of great Eagles content on there. And I'm guessing you're listening to this on Thursday or Friday, recording Wednesday night. But tomorrow, Thursday, we are doing a giveaway with two robbers. Offices in South Philly. I'm a South Philly guy. It's a match made in heaven. Giving away some swag, doing a little contest on there. Follow us, like the post, you know, tag three friends. That whole deal will give you a tote bag, t-shirt, pint glasses, stickers, whole nine yards. Check us out on there. Check out two Robert Seltzers. You'll find it everywhere in Philly. Acme, you know, your local little beer store. I love it. It's what I drink during Eagles games. I have been all season. You might be checking me out on Instagram live, whether it's the BGN channel or my own. I want to be sipping on a two robber seltzer. Today, I'm going to take a little bit of a break from my over-the-top emotion and those types of things where I freak out about the team or I get way, way, way too excited uh, before I get inevitably let down and crushed by this team I dedicate so much time to. Now, I consider myself, I'm 26, amongst Eagles fans in my age range, someone who has a greater appreciation for not just the history of the Eagles, but the history of the sport itself, my favorite sport, football, the National Football League. 
think that just I, I grew up reading sports books. I mean, obviously, I was an English major, loved novels, loved, you know, nonfiction books of all genres. But sports books, been reading them since a kid, biographies, historical uh, outlooks. I love it. I love football. So one thing I wanted to talk to you all about today, the Eagles, as I said, are playing the Steelers on Sunday. And as a lot of Eagles fans know, in World War II, for a single season, the Eagles and Steelers merged their teams in 1943 because of the lack of eligible players to play in the NFL at that time due to all those uh, players who would have normally may have played in the NFL given their age and physical profile were overseas fighting Nazis, kicking Nazi butt. So the Eagles and Steelers merged together in 1943. Their team was officially known as Phil-Pitt Combine, uh, but they have ostensibly become known as the Steagles. A lot of Eagles fans know that uh, the Steelers-Eagles rivalry means something to me, and I sure, I'm sure it does for a lot of Eagles fans in the area. Uh, for me specifically, growing up in South Philly, there were a lot of people, especially when I was younger, you don't see it as much now, people who were... Steelers fans, especially in that era where they, you know, turn of the century were very good. Then they had the Ben Roethlisberger years early on. They started winning a couple Super Bowls. Had a lot of fans there who would, you know, say, oh, I'm, I'm a Steelers fan because they're a Pennsylvania team. Last time I checked, you lived in Philadelphia and there was a Philadelphia team here. Then you had guys who were, I'm a Phillies fan, a Flyers fan, and a Steelers fan. I'm like, no, you're just a loser. You're just a fraud. So I hate the Steelers because of that. I hate Ben Roethlisberger. I'm sure a lot of you all have, you know, some of you who've gone to school in Pennsylvania, college in Pennsylvania, you might have had some rivalries with friends or maybe people that you hated who were, you might have been Eagles fans and you might have lived, your, who for all you know, your freshman roommate in college might have been a Steelers fan. I think that happens all the time. If you go to Penn State, I'm sure a lot of people listen to this, went to Penn State. I think it's a pretty common occurrence there. You have the Flyers, Penguins rivalry, Steelers and Eagles. The Steelers and Eagles don't play that that often, obviously. Last thing they did was in 2016 when the Eagles beat them at home. Carson Wentz's third NFL game. They went to 3-0 to start his career in that season. Things were electric then. How I miss it. I want to get a little historical and talk about the Steagles and things that led up to the Steagles that happened before America even got involved in World War II. I'll only take you back to 1933. Burt Bell, graduate of the Haverford School in Haverford, Pennsylvania, went to Episcopal Academy, transferred to Haverford School. Haverford School. Oof. Played quarterback at the University of Pennsylvania. Was an English major at Penn, much like the guy speaking right now on this podcast. Burt Bell goes on to become the co-founder and co-owner of our beloved Philadelphia Eagles in 1933. At the same time, the Pittsburgh football team, then known as the Pirates, even though the Pittsburgh Pirates baseball team had existed in the National League since 1891. I don't know what that's about. You see that a lot in the you know pre-war era, pre-modern age NFL where teams at the same time had shared teams with baseball names. At one point, there was a St. Louis Cardinals and a St. Louis Cardinals football team and baseball team. We know the St. Louis Cardinals now, but the, the team that's now currently in Arizona was once in St. Louis, also called the Cardinals. 
craziness. I don't get it. Imagine if, imagine if when you were a kid, say you grew up in the 80s, 90s, whatever, 70s, just say it's the late 70s, early 80s, and you're an Eagles fan. But the Eagles, as we know them in the NFL, are called the Eagles. But also, the Phillies were called the Eagles too. That's insane. Could you imagine? Oh, what's your favorite team? The Eagles. Which one? I don't know. The baseball one. Actually, imagine someone's like, I love the Eagles. Which one? Oh, the football team. But I actually hate the baseball Eagles. I'm a Yankees fan because I'm a bandwagon loser. Weird stuff. Getting sidetracked. I'm going to get sidetracked a lot during this, I'm sure. So, the Steelers. The team now known as the Steelers was from the 1933 as well. At that time in the NFL, there were not a lot of teams. Early, early on, as we know, the NFL last season celebrated their 20th anniversary. Uh, or not the 20th anniversary because it was 2020 is what I'm thinking. Their 100th anniversary uh, last year, the 100th season. And uh, this past, uh, I guess last month was the uh, 100th anniversary of the first you know, football match that's considered under the NFL banner. Both franchises start in 1933. Both franchises forget a rivalry in Pennsylvania. Both franchises were terrible. Neither had a winning record in their first eight seasons. Art Rooney, legendary figure in the football world. The Rooney family, football royalty in a certain sense. They were hemorrhaging money. Over the first eight seasons, Art Rooney had lost up to $190,000. And yeah, that's not much right now. Obviously, to me, that's a lot. But in terms of the sports world, that's nothing. That's a fine for not wearing a mask. But that was also the Great Depression. And I looked at one of those inflation calculators online. That's about $3.5 million today. So again, that wouldn't be a ton for a sports owner. But if you weren't making any money at all, that's rough. Especially it's not like they had... TV and social media streaming rights contracts in 1940 to carry the dead weight. Sorry, Rooney. Losing money. Losing money. Burt Bell, losing money too. They say, hey, I have a team in Philadelphia. You have a team in Pittsburgh. They're both in Pennsylvania. Why don't we just mash them together? That was their plan. Art Rooney was going to sell the Steelers and buy a share and our beloved Philadelphia Eagles. And they were going to name the team the Pennsylvania Keystoners. Are you kidding me? Imagine if that happened and went through fully. And right now, this was the Bleeding Green Keystoners podcast. Or Bleeding Keystoners. Or I I don't know. What the heck is that? The Keystoners. I get it's the Keystone State. I'm not an idiot. But just a crappy team name. So this is what happened. This is how they were going to do this deal. Here comes in Alexis Thompson, hotshot playboy himself. Has some money, wants to buy an NFL team. Goes to Burt Bell, owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Bell brokers a deal with Art Rooney. Rooney sells the Steelers franchise, the Pittsburgh football franchise, I should say, for $160,000. And uses eighty or ninety thousand of that to buy a stake into the Eagles to pay Burt Bell for the right to become an owner of the Eagles. Thompson is planning to move that team to Boston to have an NFL franchise there. But what is the 
Nick in this? Why has that not happened? Why are we not in this alternate history where my whole life revolves around the Pennsylvania Keystoners? What happens? Well, Thompson couldn't find a place for the team to play in the Boston area. So what happens? This plan between Rooney and Bell, where they were going to play four home games in Philadelphia at Municipal Stadium, later known as JFK Stadium, down in South Philly. They were going to play four games there. And they were going to play four games, four home games per year, at Forbes Park. Forbes Park or Forbes Field? Where are we at here? I don't know. Forbes Field, Forbes Park in Pittsburgh. Who cares? It's Pittsburgh. Anyway, the Steelers played there from 33 to 63. Then they played at Pitt Stadium for a little bit before they went into Three Rivers and now Heinz Field. So that thing, Thompson not being able to find a spot in Boston to play, that inability to secure that real estate changed the complexion of our all of our lives. Imagine that if there was just a Pennsylvania Keystoners and not a Philadelphia team. Insane. Insane. Oof. It's like disgusting to think about Pittsburgh people. <laughs> Pittsburgh people. I don't, I don't know. Freaks. Freaks. Anyway, so that doesn't come to fruition. So what happens then? Thompson still owns the team. Thompson's team comes to Philadelphia. So Thompson technically, technically owns the Pittsburgh football franchise. And Rooney and Bell technically own the Eagles. But Bell goes with Rooney to Pittsburgh and they become the Steelers. So that team is the Steelers. And then Thompson comes to Philadelphia. The team that he bought was the Steelers, but he comes to Philadelphia and becomes the owner of the Eagles. It's the most convoluted thing I've ever heard in my life. I once took a law class in college. Insanity. Wait, I took two law classes. How about that? My boy's wicked smart. And then what goes on? Rooney obviously becomes NFL royalty, as I said. Burt Bell owns the Steelers with Rooney for a few years, becomes the NFL commissioner in 1946 until his death in 1959. Legendary NFL figure, one of the most important people in the history of Philadelphia. I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that. Founded the Eagles, went to Penn, hats off to him for both of those things. So, as we've covered, the Steelers and Eagles before 1943, before Pearl Harbor, before America the United States was involved in World War II, almost became one. So what happens? 1943, things are in disarray in the NFL. Obviously, people always talk about baseball, America's pastime. During the wartime period, we have the whole A League of Run stuff with women run uh, or women-filled baseball teams that sparked up in that era and had a lot of fanfare. Talk about baseball at the time, you know, Ted Williams, uh, you know, this isn't Ted Williams leaves, misses a couple years and then, you know, missed probably what 70 home runs, not playing for a couple seasons, you know, probably missed 300, 350 hits from his historical record. But in football gets underlooked, but football wanted to provide that entertainment to the American people just as much as baseball. And, you know, they wanted to make some money, too, because they're not stupid. So football season's going to go on NFL. We're going to play so the 1943 spring meetings, craziness ensues. A lot of players, obviously, football was not what football is today. That needs to be said. I'm sure a lot of you know that, but it needs to be said. Football was nothing compared to baseball. Think of what football is today. That's football. And that's basically what baseball was. Then. If I could put it, like, as much as people love football now, 
They loved baseball then. And football, I don't even know what that would have been. Obviously lower than baseball or uh, maybe like MLS. Let's say they're as big as the MLS. People like the MLS. There are a lot of fans. Is it this big league that people love? Not really. That's okay. It does have a solid fan base. But because of that, football at the time wasn't attracting you know the biggest stars in all of sports. They could just get what they got from, you know, college football was bigger than the NFL at that point. So sometimes they get college players. Sometimes they would just get guys, guys off the, the street. Vince Papali style. So because of the war, most players that were on the NFL rosters then got war deferments. So these are guys that were married, had kids, were a little bit older than like the 26-year-old-ish cutoff range, or players who had you know, unfit for war physically. So you had a guy, the the Steagles center, the Phil, Bit, Phil Pitt combined 1943 center, Ray Graves, was deaf in one ear. The center was deaf in one ear. How could he hear the call of the quarterback to hike the ball? That's insane. Do you want to hear something even more insane? The Eagles had a guy, the Steagles, I should say, sorry. The Steagles had a guy on their team. His name was Tony Bova. He was blind in one eye and partially blind in the other. So what position do you think he plays? Linebacker just runs around like a maniac, has daredevil-like senses and can just hear where the ball is, where it's snapped, where it's thrown, where it's hand off to and rushes over there and tackles the guy? No, that guy played wide receiver. The Steagles had a guy who was legally blind playing wide receiver. And guess what? He led the team with 17 catches. Why does no one talk about this guy? There needs to be a section on him in the whole. I need to know everything in the world about Tony Bova. Who is he? Where is he at? Obviously, probably dead. But where did his life go after that? How did he even get blind? Was he born blind? Was it an accident? Chemicals? Daredevil? Marvel Comics? Something like that? I don't know. But my point is, this wasn't the cream of the crop of athletes and really the male population in America at the time. Oh, this is crazy. So that team, so the Steagles, they actually go 5-4-1. They get a winning record, but they finish third in the NFL Eastern Division behind the Washington you-know-whats. We're 6-3-1-1 and one and one, uh, the Eastern Division going to play in the NFL title game. Uh, the New York Giants wore 6-3-1, but I guess Washington won whatever tiebreaker there was at that period. And then in fourth place, you'll love this just because of the insanity of sports teams at, at that time, the names of teams. In fourth place in the NFL Eastern Division in 1943 were the 2-8 and Brooklyn Dodgers. Brooklyn Dodgers. What? Also needs to be said in terms of something that hamstrung the NFL at that time, it would be irresponsible for me not to say it. Know how they could have increased their roster size and got more players on teams? If they lifted their rule on the ban of black and African-American players. Disgusting. Can't believe it happened. Well, I shouldn't say that. I can believe it happened. The world's a terrible place. There are terrible people in it. There have been forever. I get why it happened. Even though it was a disgusting act and insane to think that was ever I shouldn't say it's insane to think that. Yeah, I understand why, because people are terrible. There are racist people out there. It's insane. 
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. The Steelers in that 1943 spring meeting where NFL spring meeting where they come together to, you know, figure out what they're doing. The Steelers only had six players ready to play based on guys who got drafted, cut and play, blah, 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 blah. Uh, They thought that, you know, they had an NFL draft that year, obviously, and you would have thought those guys could have helped them. But a lot of guys that football teams, NFL teams were drafting, got drafted into the entire, you know, Pacific theater. They weren't getting drafted by just NFL teams. They were getting drafted into the war. This is insane. I need to read a book on this. If anyone's out there and knows a book about wartime football, shoot me a tweet, email, whatever. The Eagles had 16 players ready to play them, which was more. So what happened there was because the Eagles had a little bit of an edge over the Pittsburgh football franchise, those teams wore green and white uniforms. Take that, Pittsburgh. That was the only season where in the history of the Pittsburgh football team where they did not have at least to some degree black and gold in their uniforms. Black and yellow, take that. So even though a lot of these guys were cast-offs or random people who did not get drafted into the war itself, the European campaign, Pacific Theater, whatever reserves, 
whatever was going on in the war industry. Some guys, their day jobs were in factories or manufacturing for war industries. So they were allowed to stay stateside and were able to play in the NFL. But this team was in 1943. The Eagles actually go to the NFL championship in 1947 and then win the whole thing in 1948. In 1949, 1947, they lose to the Chicago Cardinals. 1948, they beat the Chicago Cardinals. And in 1949, they beat the Los Angeles Rams to win their second NFL championship. So looking at some guys on this roster that were, you could tell which guys were originally Pittsburgh players, guys that were originally Philadelphia players that came to play on this Phil Pitt combined Steagles, unofficially known Steagles team in 1943. So these are some players that I did a little bit of research on and highlighted. We have Francis Joseph, Bucko Kilroy. I heard of this guy before. Port Richmond native. Went to North Catholic and then Temple. Offensive lineman. It was his rookie year in 1943. Played until 1955. All with the Birds. Was on both the 48 team and the 49 championship teams. Was a scout. For the Eagles' 1960 NFL championship team. This guy's this guy's kind of a legend. Three-time pro baller, NFL all-decade team for the 1940s. We also have Ben Kish, who was a safety and fullback. He was listed as, you know, most of those guys at the time kind of played two ways like that. Uh, that was his first year in the team, and he played until 1949. So he was on both the 48 and 49 championship teams. We have Vic Sears. He was a tackle, played offensive line, but also perhaps sure played defensive line at some point too. Nicknamed Old Smoothie. What a nickname. That was his third year with the team. They draft, the Eagles had previously drafted him out of Oregon State. Was on the 48 and 49 teams. Well, made second team All-Pro in 1943 and 1949. And he was also on the NFL's 1940s All-Decade team. You also have... Ernie Steele, who was on the 48 team, that was his second year in 1943. His last season with the Birds was 1948. We have a huge figure in Eagles history. Al Wister, number 70, retired by the franchise. 1943 was his rookie season. He played until 1951, all with the Birds. He was on the 48 and 49 championship championship teams. He was a six-time first-team All-Pro. From 1944 to 1949, and he was a two-time second-team All-Pro in 1950-1951. The only year in his career where he was not an All-Pro was this rookie year for the Steagles. Why? Only year he didn't make All-Pro was this year. Also, on the 1940s All-Decade NFL team, how many players were on this team? Number 70, as I said, retired by the Eagles. Then we also have, get, get ready for these stats, their quarterback for the Steagles. Phil Pitt combined, Roy Zimmerman, who at the time was 24 years old. These are his stats. He was the quarterback for this team. He had 846 passing yards with nine touchdowns and 17 interceptions. His completion percentage was 34.7%. You're thinking, well, this is 1940s football. Do they play some Army, Navy, triple option stuff? And he had a lot of rushing yards or something. Is that how he was good? He had, on 33 rushing attempts, 33 rushing attempts, had negative 41 yards that season. Negative 41, not 41. Negative 41. Seems impossible. I don't know. Was he taking knees every five seconds? What was going on? And despite it all, 
I don't know how. He made second team all pro that year. It was a different sport. We also have two guys who I consider in, I guess, the Moonlight Graham category for that Steagles team. If you're not familiar with Moonlight Graham, uh, go watch Field of Dreams. He's a guy one and have one at bat in his major league career. So we'd say he'd officially, officially played for the team, played in the league. We have Ray Root, who was an end, listed as an end. So that probably meant he played like defensive end and tight end playing both ways. Played in two games that season, recorded zero stats, never played again. Got to be a guy who only got in because of the war. You have Steve Sater, a fullback. No concrete football experience. Sandlot player in South Philly. Came out swinging from a South Philly basement. Vince Papali, invincible style. Played two games, had three rushes for five yards. And then he goes and dies in 1946 at age 30. He was 27, 1943 of Hodgkin's. So when you're watching the birds, close things up. So when you're watching the birds on Sunday, take on the Steelers. If you're with your significant other, maybe some of your family members, give them a little history lesson on the Steagles, the Pennsylvania Keystoners. Maybe enjoy a nice two robbers craft hard seltzer while you're at it. I'm going to be watching the game, drinking two robbers seltzer. And I'm going to be thinking about how grateful I am that I'm not a fan of the Pennsylvania Keystoners, but a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles, my favorite team and yours as well. That's it for me. Check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Seamus underscore Clancy. Be sure to check out the BGN Instagram at Bleeding Green Insta for our two robbers merch pack giveaway. Go birds. Let's get a win. 500, here we come! BGN. Here's the truth about AI AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.